0: Hello, everyone. Uh, We are back with yet another great interview here on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Uh, Today, I am going to be talking with Deb Callahan, a Philadelphia blues and soul-drenched vocalist and songwriter. She grew up in the Boston area, but has been a mainstay on the mid-Atlantic music scene since the late 90s. During this time, she has gained a reputation for writing creative blues, soul, and roots-influenced original music and using her powerful, expressive voice to deliver an exciting live show. Uh, she had a debut CD in 2002, um, and she's got a new record out right now called Sweet Soul that just came out about a month ago, uh, September 1st, on Blue Pearl Records. And she's uh, been raved Rave reviews, uh, and uh, uh, in com- comparison to Susan Tedeschi and uh, Bonnie Raitt, and uh, I think Blues uh, Review magazine says something like, Philly, "Philly's Deb Callahan has the pipes, the songs, and the raw talent to graduate to the next level." Deb, have you graduated to the next level? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Did you know you were even in school?
1: <laughs> I know no one's giving me my diploma yet, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well. What Welcome to mean, the show. Right? What is the next level? Yeah. Is
1: so, so. Uh,
0: what does that clear? mean? Yeah, exactly. And what 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 does that mean to you? For you, just I, personally. What would you, I mean, or does it, or is it just meaningless?
1: Um, no, it mean, it means something, but I guess it's, it's I think it's personal. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. What the next level is for each person. So, um, the next level for me, it would probably be. Getting my music out to more people, you know, more people yeah. knowing about me um, around the country and you know the world in terms of blues, blues and roots fans, um, and doing more, sh- you know, more gigging, uh, touring, you know, playing at, at, at bigger festivals and uh, festivals a little more widespread. I, you know, as you know, I'm based in Philly, and I have done a lot of touring up and down the East Coast and, and somewhat into the Midwest. We have a, a guy in Min- Minnesota who. Uh, does some booking for us. So I always seem to be out in Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, kind of that, that zone. But I um, haven't really done – did one show on the West Coast once, um, Monterey Bay Blues Festival, but haven't really done too much on the West Coast. Or...
0: Well, let's take a little bit of a step back, Deb. How did you get started in music? Because the bio on your page just sort of like throws this right into like pretty much what's been happening lately. So how did you get started? Take us back to the beginning.
1: Um, well, I would say, you know, I'm primarily a a singer. I do play guitar and piano, but not really well. So it's like more of something I use to write songs. But, you know, mm-hmm. when I perform live, I have in the past done some guitar, but I kind of have abandoned that for a while. I, I really <laughs> enjoy being a front person, like a front person where I'm singing and, you know, kind of dancing and, you know, just fronting the band. And, and I enjoy writing songs. So um, so I guess for me, like the 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 voice is what kinda of took me into music, you know. Um and so when I was a kid, you know, just like a lot of people, like just, just really absorbing music, listening to my parents uh records. And uh, you know, I was into my mom was really into Nina Simone, I don't know if you know her and, and so I you mm-hmm. know bluesy, soulful, jazzy voice and really powerful and, and really made a statement with what she was saying. So that that always stuck with me. Um and I also just was drawn to anything really gospel You know, I was really, I liked Aretha Franklin, even you know, um, at, at an early age, and, and Etta James, that kind of stuff. So voices, that was one thing. And then music, you know, I grew up um, outside of Boston in sort of like the 80s, and so there was a lot of rock and roll and, you know, classic rock. And so I think I got into blues like a lot of people, um, you know, from listening to Hendrix and Clapton and... Zeppelin, you know, and kind of right. like kind of getting into that and getting into the the, the rhythms and the and the um the whole sound of the music, and then kind of thinking, what is this about? You know, digging a little deeper, and then as I got a little older, getting into actual like blues artists, like oh, this is from Muddy Waters or um Alan Wolf or, you know something like that.
0: Um, what um why blues? Why, I mean, you know, because you have an amazing voice um i mean wow i mean i was really i was unfamiliar with your music until i uh until you know i started talking to frank and he said to check you out and i was just i've been listening to i look there's two records I, I haven't listened to i don't know all your records but you've got one tell it tell it like it is and sweet so i've been listening to them over and over and i mean you have an amazing singer singing voice uh, just amazing you could sing anything but why blues
1: yeah, I know. I a friend of my family sometimes ask me that because they're like well you might make more money doing something else <laughs> and um, I don't know it's like it just found me I I, I guess um, let's see so yeah I guess going back to like the the you know like I, the, I was listening to music and then you know like a lot of people got into like choruses and choirs I actually did um, what do you think, plays you know musicals <laughs> when I was in right. middle school and, and um, you know, high school, a little a little bit in college. And, I, yeah, so in college I did some, some plays, some regular plays, some musicals, um swing band, a four-part harmony, a cappella group. And then a friend of mine was like, hey, I'm putting together, like, a blues rock band. And um, I'd never done that before. And he, like, had heard me singing. He was like, I think you would have a really good voice for this stuff. And so there I went, and I was, like, immediately I was kind of hooked on it. You know, I was, mm. this is really – um, I just lo- I loved it, and I felt like my voice was a good fit for it for a lot of the material, and it let me really express myself in a way that, like, I just for me, um, musical theater and that kind of stuff wasn't just wasn't you know the same. Like, I felt right. like I really put myself into it in a in a way um, that I don't know, just felt really right. That's all I could say. You know, sort of anything that was bluesy or soulful, like the, you know the guys that put this band together, they they were all having like you know um, Stevie Ray Vaughan and. Hendrix and I guess some Clapton and that that was great. But then I was sort of like, yeah, let's get some more. You know, I started getting more into the the, more of the soul stuff, Um, like Junior Walker and the All Stars, and you know Aretha Franklin. You know, more more of the soulful blues kind of stuff.
0: So so then, because you mentioned Aretha Franklin and uh, you said you heard your mom's uh, Nina Simone records. Who are your uh, in vocally? We're going to talk about songwriting a little sort of separate. It's yeah. Subject here, but vocally, who who are you? Do are who are you conjuring? Like, what's what's in there that's coming out?
1: I know it's funny because I think a lot about like the, these kind of soul, like 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 Mavis Staples, uh, Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner, Etta James, um, Irma Thomas is like the soul queen of New Orleans. That that kind of stuff. Um, okay. And it's funny because sometimes people will say, "Oh, you sound like." Janis Doplin or something. I don't get that as much anymore. Um, I think maybe because I think I've developed my own style, so it's, it doesn't, like, I don't know. I don't get that as much. But I think it's just common for probably any any white woman who's singing um, bluesy kind of stuff. You eventually get, you know, Bonnie Raitt or Janis Doplin, even though they're sort of different. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are probably, I'm probably forgetting. Oh, Ray Charles. I really dig Ray Charles a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So, like, I think that place where blues and... Um, like blues and gospel and soul, and and sometimes even jazz, you know, kind of come together. I'm like all about that kind of. I don't, I don't really want to be limited too much. Even like country, and I, you know, I can't say I really grew up. Where I grew up, people didn't listen to country at all. Um, so as I've gotten older, you know, I have I have a more of an appreciation for it, for sure.
0: Um. Okay. Now there is a definite uh, growth. From Tell It Like It Is to Sweet Soul. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, it, it, I, I thought it was, to me it was obvious. I mean, uh, you know, and I, but, but you had some major life changes in between these two records. And there was a little bit of a time gap. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So tell us, talk to us a little bit about the sort of, the, this sort of, tra- this sort of transitionary p- transition period that, that you went through and, and how that affected your music.
1: Cool, thank you for saying you you could hear the growth because that's cool to to know. It's hard, you know, yourself to kind of sometimes be objective about yourself, but um, I think that I feel like I was just hitting my stride a little bit more. I did. I had a child. Um, I have a child, and I ha- he. I gave birth to uh, my son Elijah in January of 2011. It was really right after I, I made I uh, recorded "Tell It Like It Is" sort of during my pregnancy, and and um, didn't get to tour as much behind it because, like, I literally. C D released in like November of two thousand ten and then I had a like but um and to do, you know, to kind of be out on the road, um, at that point. But um yeah, I think that it just grounded me and it made me it made me prioritize things, you know, the typical kind of things I think that people who have realize and kind of in a way maybe me not I went through different periods of not caring at all. I was like, I don't know if I want to – I had a lot of internal struggle. Like, do I even want to really pursue this music thing? You know, how important is it? Because it's a hard – I think it's a hard career, you know. um, Really? (laughs) (laughs) I never heard that before. You're a musician musician too, right? Right. Um, So I don't have to tell you. I mean, you have to be – really passionate or a little insane to kind of really (laughs) pursue it. I mean, you know, lots of people just do it for fun, you know, right? Right. They have their regular day job and then they just, you know, it's just getting together with their their buddies and hanging out. And that's cool too. I I mean, playing music is valid in any way, whatever moves your soul, you know. But I think – so I just went through a lot of, of exploration, but I think it just, I felt grounded. And I felt a, a kind of a, a sense of, like, confidence and, like, I don't really care in a way what other people think. So that sort of was empowering. I think I felt just much more confident and empowered and, like, I'm just doing what I want. And I knew, you know, a lot of these songs are about um, the feelings I have. And I was just writing about what I was experiencing over, it was like, over about a four-year period that I was writing these songs. And it was all about, um, you know, balancing my, my new life. Um, this new love I, I felt for um, both my child and my partner, um, you know, that, that family life. And both the good and the bad, there's a song, I don't know if you heard this one called Shackin' Up, which is really – Right. It's not yeah, it's great. Li- it's not really literal because I just sort of I, – I that one was actually a little harder to write because I, I started being really literal about my relationship, and then I was like, this isn't really that funny because
0: it's
1: <laughs> – was where I was trying to just be, like, playful, like, you know. the you know, Right different story and in a way like a more like an adolescent version of love and then more of like a medium and then like as you get older kind of like what you're looking mm-hmm. for. That's what I was trying for each verse. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, I think I just felt a new, newfound sense of confidence and, and freedom and like kind of I don't really care. I'm going to do my thing and if people don't like it, that's fine, you know. Um,
0: um, well, this is one of the things that, that I wanted to talk about uh, w- now that we're into the songwriting because um, your you're li- the, the thing especially this is one of the things in the growth I'm talking about from the tell like it is a sweet soul. Um, there's like a the, your lyrics they they talk about daily like daily life, and I understand that the character in the song isn't necessarily 100 percent you. It's yeah. there's a, there's some of that. Uh, but yet you bring a in really interesting perspective. And you're still really musical and really fun, um, and so I, you know, I, this is one of the more thoughtful blues albums that I've that I've ever really heard. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, I write for bluesrockreview.com, and there's a lot of the records like, you know, uh, and I'll just say, it, my sex, the guys are singing kind of about the same things over and over and over again. And you've really kind of found some ways to bring some different. Um, uh, ideas in or different yeah. experiences in and I thought that was really really awesome yeah. and it really took the songs to another level so if, in terms of songwriting like, who are your like songwriting influences
1: um, I know I think I'm I know I have so I mean you know the songwriters that it's so not literal they're like I'm going to say this and you'll be like really so like you know songwriters I, I love Joni Mitchell like a lot you know which is totally left field right from blues but um I love, and I love Ricky Lee Jones, and um, uh, I love their imagery and their attention to detail. Mm -hmm. I like that about Bob Dylan, too. You know, I don't like him as much as a singer, although, you know, he's got his thing for sure. But, yeah, I mean, also all those writers, just, there's a lot of imagery, attention to detail. Um, I guess for blues, I'm I'm a really big, I didn't, I'm a really big Robert Cray fan. Mm hmm um, and I like the way that he writes. Um, so <clears throat> I'm trying to think on this album if I really thought. I mean, the funny thing is that I don't. I'm not very conscious. There was like a few CDs ago that I actually did write a song, and I thought, well, I'd like to write something a little bit in the like uh, like how Robert Cray would write something, and so.
0: But it's just whatever comes out, kind of what you're feeling in the moment, and then yeah, you just sort of flows. Yeah, float.
1: not really consciously thinking, like, I'm going to try to write a song like so-and-so. It really is just very organic kind of. Yeah. I think for me this, <clears throat> like, because it's it's funny, because I'm not particularly a great guitar player or piano. I've been taking piano, I I um, I, I actually, yeah, I had been taking for a couple years piano lessons, and so this CD I did work some stuff out. On the piano. And lots of times, like, I'll get, like, say, for this, the first song on my album, Big Love, like, I was just hearing that, like, <clears throat> certain um, musical phrase uh, that I just, like, you know, worked, I, like, I, I'll sing it to myself, I'll sing it into my iPhone, and, you know, so that, so that there's a recording of it. I do a lot of that when I'm kind of in this phase of, of writing, or, or like, a, I'm open to writing. Um, and then I'll work it out on the piano, and then I'll give it to, um, I'll say to Alan, who's guitar player in the band, and he's my uh, partner uh, together. And so, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know, hey, can you help me work this out a little bit? And um it sounds obviously a lot better when he plays it. So, <laughs> just, like, you know, because I'll, I'll think of it, well, is it the bass line or is it the guitar line? I'm not really sure, you know. And, and so, yeah, so he, he's really helpful um, in that way. So he he's it's funny because he's not really that interested in being a songwriter, but I think, like, he never had been before working... Before you know knowing me, <laughs> so he's a slightly begrudging songwriter, but he's he's that he's like super great in the studio, and he comes up with really interesting parts and ideas, and so I kind of push him, and he'll I guess together we we come up with something.
0: Okay, so so it is collaborative then with your, with uh, your guitarist.
1: Yeah, a lot a lot of times, um, or I'll yeah sometimes I'll if like there's one song called Slow Isn't and as sweet as honey, I mean that's kind of actually a simple thing, and I just wrote I wrote that on the piano. And then when we went in the studio, um, the production of it, like, um, I, think, I think actually the piano player really helped um, come up with the certain, like, um, the intro and the outro on it, you know, so um, like a sort of a signature line or something. But, um, yeah, so sometimes I'll just write something by myself. Sometimes I'll write, like, the core of it or a kernel of it, and someone else helps me flesh it out more. Alan, my guitar player, or I work with this guy, Chris Arms, they're they're always going to come up with more interesting, like, voicings and, you know, um, chords, like, more sophisticated chords and things like that, you know. So, it'll just
0: so be- they just sort of kind of help you, like, take it, take the song, like, kind of beyond yeah We're kind talking- of the, the rudimentary yeah. thing that you have down. You have you right. basically come to it with, like, here's a melodic idea, here's the lyrics that I have, and yeah. you guys, what are we going to do with it?
1: Yeah. Like that song, "I Am Family." I wrote the, I wrote that on the guitar, and the of, and I like started doing it on the piano to see what, what I liked better. But then I, then I couldn't really come up with the, an idea like for a bridge. So Alan did really wrote the bridge.
0: You know. That that is a beautiful song, by the way. Um, that that really stands out on Sweet Soul as a, uh, you know, I mean, I I don't know. Uh, what the sort of distribution is for that record, but I mean, I could definitely hear it as uh, on the radio with you know, like with the Bonnie Raitt crowd, you know, like I, I can't make you love me and that that sort of you know yeah. it has that you know only only I think your song is is way more uh, it, it touches on so many different like issues and I loved that line that that title I am family. Mm-hmm. What well, well, can, can we get into that? Can you talk a little bit about that song a little bit in depth?
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah, thank you. I I like that one, too. Um, and um, I think I – don't, I don't know if you – I'm going to say this, too, because I don't know if you saw in my background that I'm a social worker, too. I'm <laughs> social worker.
0: Okay, that was at the very bottom of your bio, and I'm like, do I ask her about this? Because I don't want to ever, like, put anybody in the spot. But, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Talk about that. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so I think that, like, you know, it's like chicken and egg. Like, I am a clinical social worker because I'm a pretty, you know, just, like, thinking kind of person. I mean, um, mm-hmm. we all are, but, you know, like, I think about – relationships and, like, you know, how, how uh, like, emotional kind of, you know, things, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I was drawn to do, like, counseling kind of work. And I do, I actually still do that part-time. I work with these, um, I work at a youth drop-in center in Philadelphia um, a couple days a week. So... um, until I get to that next level. <laughs> you know, I'm lucky that I like my work, so I, I really don't, you know, it's a good balance, to be honest. It keeps me in this, um, the youth I work with are, are really cool and inspiring um, to work with. And this is the first CD that I didn't actually, like, literally write about about something from them, from my work with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this song is, it, it actually, it's funny, it could, I mean, as you said, it could sort of, a lot of people could relate to it. I think you said that but it's it's particularly about my sister. So I have a sister who, um, she she has some mental illness and drug and alcohol issues, and so she just spent a lot of years. She's doing well right now, by the way. Um, she spent a lot of years like just kind of out there, um, in crisis all the time, you know, and moving around and not 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 dealing with her stuff not really you know not not really taking responsibility for her own mental health and um so it really you know when that when people go through that in families whether it's mental health issues or drug and alcohol or some other issue like that you know it's um it's this kind of feeling in a family i think or, uh, of like how do you deal with that you know you love somebody so you want to support them and you want to help them and have their back but at the same time after a while it gets a little old when no you know when it's like the same crap over and over yeah And nobody's, like, making a move when the person with the problem isn't really making a move. So I think that song to me just kind of explores, like, I'm trying to put the issue out there. Like, I have that line, like, where's the line? Where's the limit? You know, I love you, but I can't drown in it. Like, can I sacrifice myself for you um, all the time, like, just continuing to pay debt that you have or continuing to let you stay with me even though you're a mess or, you know, every time, you know, like, even though it takes a toll. And I, I saw my parents particularly kind of go through that, you know, like how do you support the child you love and take care of yourself, you know, so that you're not, you <laughs> Yeah. That that whole setting boundaries thing, you know, I guess. So that's, that's kind of the...
0: Well, it's a, it, it's a great song, and that's just one of the very, uh, like, thoughtful s- songs on this record. Um, e- even the, I like, like, we we spent, you talked about the song Checking Up. I mean, like, that's not even exactly, I mean, the, the title is kind of deceptive in a way, because, you know, it's, it's raunchy in a fun way, but there's a little depth to it. So that that is, that is all, and if, uh, to the audience out there, this is one of the reasons why I think you really enjoy this record, because uh, no, it's superbly produced. Um, and the songwriting's great and everything, but the lyrics are really cool. Um, and uh, it, it 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 does something that I I think a lot of people, um, you know, blues is, is typically I, I, at first blush, I think people kind of think, well, that's sad or depressing. Yeah. But actually, it's really not. It's about sort of looking at the sadness and putting a smile on your face, or standing up tall in spite of whatever's going on. It's sort of sometimes even just finding the humor mm-hmm. <laughs> in the whacked out situation. Right, I <laughs> So let's let's talk a little bit. About, let's talk about the band um, because you worked with some different people on this. Um, uh, R- uh, Reggie McBride, who's played with what? So he's played with Stevie Wonder and people like that, right? Yeah. And uh, Mike he was- uh, fin- Mike Finnegan, the keyboard player, has worked with Hendrix and Joe Cocker and all kinds of people. So what yeah. was that like?
1: was awesome. Those guys, I mean, I can't say enough good things about them. And I think, you know, it was just <laughs> going out there. I've been talking to this guy, Tony Bronigal who's the producer of the record and uh, a drummer. And I kind of randomly, you know, it's how the universe inter, intersects or whatever. Like, he, he, I was doing a gig one night up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and uh, in the same venue, it's a big venue, I was playing outdoors and there's an indoor venue, and Robert Cray was there that night, and Tony was the drummer for Robert Cray. And I remember thinking, because I really, like I said, I'm a huge Robert Cray fan. I remember thinking, like, wow, what if Robert heard me and, like, asked me to come up on stage, you know, just like a little day, daydream. <laughs> and then that didn't happen, but the next day, Tony, you know, inboxed me on Facebook and was like, hey, I heard your show last night. I really love your voice and what you're doing. Like, let's make a record someday. So I didn't really think too much of it, but he, you know, we kind of started this dialogue, and, like, over the course of, like, four years, we were, you know, he was like, send me your songs, you know, and we started talking about budgets, but it still seemed a bit of a, pipe dream you know in a way and you know I I started saving money and whatnot and I guess you know we decided to do it last fall but you know I flew out to LA with my guitar player Alan and um you know it was a little scary I would have to say in the beginning was just a little intimidating because I didn't know you know are these guys going to be friendly are they going to get what I'm doing I mean I knew they were super high level and talented but they were very warm very open like right away within the first you know hour I didn't feel like there was any weird attitudes or like I think maybe my fear was like you know they might just be coming in to pick up a paycheck and not really you know get invested in it but it was really the opposite I mean those guys they really love what they do they care about each project I mean um, it, it sounded like if from they're talking about other projects and no matter you know Reggie the bass player he was like after he left me he was going on the road with Barry Manilow <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool.
1: um, and he had been playing with Kev Moe a lot, and as you said, Stevie Wonder, and Mike Finnegan came in, the keyboard player, and he was like, oh, I just finished Bonnie's record, you know, so he'd Bonnie Bonnie Raitt. Um, they had lots of funny stories. They had all played with Bonnie, with Etta James. Um,
0: so this sets up a real relaxed sort yeah. of thing in the studio where you're totally at ease now, and you're, you know, so, okay.
1: Yeah, they, they all know each other, and they're good friends, so they work together well, and they were very welcoming of us. So, yeah, right away... I felt um, I felt like, you know, it upped my game, I have to say, you know, like it wasn't, um, you know, there were some, I, I felt just good, actually, you know, playing with them, they, it wasn't a lot of, um, I actually said to Tony, this was the first record I didn't, um, I could sing really fine every day, and I wasn't worried by the end, like by the end, up, my voice wasn't kind of feeling sore, or, mm-hmm. you know, like I overdid it in any way, I, I didn't, you know, I just felt like I was singing in a relaxed way with this group, you know, and, and that we didn't have to do take after take after take. You know? And they didn't even know the song's going in. So you know what I mean? I think when you're at that level it was just like they they got yeah. what they were doing. They they came yeah. with good ideas. I mean I loved Reggie's bass playing, you know, he has that um kind of James Jamerson um Motown Mhm. He's from Detroit actually, although he lives in LA. And I love that he added this kind of soulfulness to it, I thought. And yeah, I mean and Tony was is a great drummer has a lot of experience, he had good ideas, and, and Mike, and this other guy, um, Johnny Lichelle, was the engineer, and he was okay. great to work with. He had played with Bonnie Raitt also. He, he played by oh. guitar on that Checking Up song. So, yeah, I can't say enough good things about the, the recording process. I mean, it was I was out there for a week, and then, you know, I hadn't planned to go back or anything, which I I didn't. It would have been nice to have been able to go back, but that really wasn't in the budget. hmm um, so we did some stuff over here. Like I, I only, I re-recorded two songs here at a studio in Philly, and then you know, with today's technology, it's really easy to, to send the files back and forth.
0: Send the files. Yep. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and I think Alan redid a couple of guitar parts. We did one background vocal over here, and then mm-hmm. got got mixed back in LA. And so yeah, that that part was great.
0: Um. So what's what's coming up? What's next? You have this. Uh, like really great record. I mean, you know, congratulations. You know, you should be very proud. Um it's fantastic. So what are you going to do? What what what's happening? What's 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 next for
1: yeah, no, for no, Deb Callahan. i I just laughing. <laughs> I don't have it probably planned out as well as I should, but
0: <laughs> no pressure. But what, what would, the heck are you going to do?
1: What would make sense would be, you know, I'm looking at other people have records out like like Shemeika Copeland also has a record out. Do you know her? She's a blues um
0: Mhm. Yep
1: you know i'm i was looking at her schedule and she's like you know touring her her touring her ass off um i uh i have you know a bunch of cd release parties in philly and i and i think you know my goal is for i'm <clears throat> starting to just really work on the booking i don't have a booking agent really so that's been a little bit of a hard thing um i haven't had much success like i have one in the midwest as i mentioned and he'll help with that kind of stuff but so it's just i i'm just trying to you know get myself organized for the 2016 like festival season and i hope that i can do you know, some, some touring and, and stuff in the spring and summer. And, you know, we have regular gigs throughout. You know, you can find that on um, com where we play in the re- in the region primarily right now. Um, and what else? Yeah, so CD release parties. You know, I'm just trying to get the music out there to radio stations and press. Um, we've been getting really great radio response, which I'm, you know, really excited about. We I don't know if you check out that Roots Music Report, but the CD was number six on the Roots Music Report Um
0: Great. Congratulations. Excellent.
1: Yeah. There was, like, Buddy Guy, Shamika Copeland, a couple other people, and I'm, like, number six. I was kind of like, wow. <laughs> 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 Congratulations. Uh, that's
0: good. Thank
1: you. So, you know, I just hope to to use this as a launching pad to do more stuff. Like, you know, I, I've never toured in Europe, and that's really a goal of mine. I would love to do some of that. The thing that I have to figure out, which anyone does, you know, in this situation, but it's just about... Um, my son Elijah is now four and a half, so just a little more challenging and I definitely chose not to just plunge myself back into it because I wanted to enjoy this time so I definitely I see other people sometimes they have a child and they're like right on the touring circuit again and kudos to them that they can (laughs) work that out but we don't have any family really nearby so that's a bit of a challenge you know and
0: um, I have, uh, I, I, uh, I, I, know an artist and, and maybe, or maybe I'll to talk to tell you about after we finished recording, who, uh, has uh, two young children and she, they, they're on the road, <laughs> like boom, like now, like with her, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that after, uh, once we, once we get off the call here, but, um, so, so you're gonna you're gonna go out you're gonna do some promoting we're we're, we're hoping to get this thing on some more uh, radio that's great I, it deserves to be there it's it's a really good record I'm uh, really excited about it um, is there anything uh, specific you'd like to plug before we wrap up here
1: um, no but if you if anyone listening has is curious <laughs> if we keep <laughs> your interest you can um, you can find this record uh, at debcallahanband.com and iTunes, Amazon, all that stuff. You can. It's on Pandora, um, all those digital downloading sites. I think it's pretty much made its way too. So check it out.
0: If uh, I've been listening to it on the RDO app, and uh, it's very excellent. Uh, Deb, thank you so much again. That is debcallahanband.com, dot com, and there's a lot more information there. And also, I wanted to mention one other thing. I wanted to plug for you. Maybe you forgot, there are a lot of videos of you on YouTube, and um, even the like amateur ones like cell phone videos are actually still really good. Um, you, Deb has a uh, such an amazing voice uh, usually if you look at enough videos you find people okay they're a little out of tune or they're this I've yet I've watched about 15 of them I've yet to see anything where you didn't sound absolutely fantastic <laughs> so that's a testament a testimony to like what a great performer uh, Deb is live uh, so if you are in the Philadelphia area or you're able to check her out at the, at a festival or something like that you definitely want to go see her Hey, Deb, thanks so much for taking some time out today to talk to us. We'll uh, go, go over a couple things once we finish the call here. Um, but once again, folks, that is debcallahanband.com for all your Deb Callahan needs. <laughs> <laughs> all That's right. So I
1: appreciate you. I appreciate talking to
0: you today. No problem. All right. Thank you very much, uh, audience. Go check it out, and we will see you on the next Ludini Rock and Roll Circus.